It's my pleasure to now welcome to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast, Rutgers Athletic Director, Pat Hobbs. Pat, thanks so much for being here and taking the time to talk to me today. Well, Aaron, thank you for having me on, and I wish you the best of luck with this podcast. I know this is sort of a next phase in your journalistic career, and uh, you uh, you did great things already uh, with uh, uh, on the banks, and uh, so uh, you know, good luck with this next venture. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for being our first guest. So uh, means a lot, and uh, just wanted to start with obviously congratulations coming off of the most successful uh, year on the field for Rutgers athletics, um, specifically measured, you know, with the Learfield Directors Cup, uh, most successful year in that in that um, rankings uh, history. Uh, wanted to ask you just in terms of when you took over uh, six years ago to this point, um, what that journey has been like, how um, satisfying it's been, and and kind of, I guess, wh- where you feel you are at at this point in your tenure versus where you would hope to be. Well, first of all, thank you. We're, we're very excited as an athletic department and as a university that um, all of the things that we've all been working very, very hard on together uh, are now starting to pay dividends. They're starting to produce the results that um, we believed that we would achieve. And it's, it's not really a sort of a complicated formula, right? So it, it starts with good leadership in your programs. And um, we've, I, I think the number is, I brought in 14 new head coaches over that time period. And those are difficult, right? Because you're always, you're making a change. Um, so you're affecting one coach who's been putting in the effort and unfortunately not, not in a way that we, we believe is producing the results. But then you're also giving somebody else an opportunity uh, to lead a program uh, at a Big Ten university. Uh, and then the next thing is you got to give them the resources that they need in order to be successful, right? We've, you and I have talked about this in the past. You can't just hire a good leader and then say, hey, we, we, you know, good luck. Uh, here's the baseballs. Here's the basketballs. Go off and have success. And our, our alumni base responded great with the Big Ten build, um, and we were able to build the RWJ um, Barnabas Health Athletic Performance Center and then the Gary and Barbara Rodkin Athletic Success Center, Academic Success Center. And those investments have paid clear dividends, right? So you can see that. Um, But it's not just been sort of facilities. It's been investing in nutrition. It's been investing in travel. It's been investing in recruiting budgets, uh, doing things that our competitors have done for a long time. But now there is alignment from the top of the university, from the board of governors through the president uh, to um, do what you need to do in order to have success. So we are um, we feel very gratified that we are where we are today, that these programs are having success. And by the way, you know, I, I think most of us believe baseball deserved postseason. And so if baseball had uh, reached the postseason, who knows, we might have cracked the top, you know, 40 uh, in, in programs. And that's our goal. We want to be a top 25 director's cup, cup program annually. Uh, we believe there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to achieve that uh, if we continue to do everything that we're doing. Um, you know, right now across the board, uh, I love our head coaches. Um, they know how to win. They know how to recruit. They know they do things with integrity. And that's sort of for both uh, our president, Jonathan Holloway and myself. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not winning the right way, uh, you're, you're not winning, right? So you got to do things the right way. And that's part of our core values is we're going to do things with integrity. Doesn't mean we're going to get everything right all the time. Doesn't mean that 
700, 18 to 22 year olds are not going to do some knucklehead things on occasion, um, but you own it, right? You, you, you get better from that. So very, very gratifying. Um, and you know, it, it's funny. Uh, somebody, somebody asked me this year, can you believe all this is happening? And I said, yes, we've been working <laughs> our tails off. Um, this isn't just by happenstance. This is uh, this is part of a plan. It's part of a strategic vision. Uh, and I- I'm privileged to lead a department with uh, a place right now where morale is very high. And, um, you know, we, one of the other wonderful things about where we are right now is uh, everybody to a person believes that um, we our ceiling is very high, um, that there's uh, so much more that we can do. And that, uh, I, I think, is infectious. Uh, that That's infectious with our alumni base. You see it on social media, you see it everywhere. People, people know what we're doing now, and uh, you know it's an exciting, it's an exciting time for Rutgers University. So uh, we want to keep creeping up those Learfield Cup rankings and uh, do what I've said to our our team since we got to, since we started this journey together, and that is together if we all uh, do what we need to do, we'll, we will write the greatest chapter in Rutgers athletics history. And I, I agree with you. I think the most impressive thing and, and biggest change during your tenure is now seeing the alignment from the top, uh, you know, from the university all the way down is certainly something that was was missing for a long time at Rutgers. And I think is obviously a big part of why you have been able to have so much success uh, recently. I wanted to ask in terms of, you know, whenever I talk to the coaches, there just seems to be uh, a lot of connections between the different programs and support uh, for one another. Um you know, and you've obviously invested a lot of time and resources into um, the uh, Olympic sports. Um, you know, some people obviously, uh, you know, there's people that argue the financial uh, impact of those sports um, compared to, uh, say, football, basketball. Um, you know, do you think that there's a lack of um uh, there should be more value placed on, you know, the academic side in terms of how successful you've been as, as an athletic department across the board with that success. Um, and just with, in terms of alumni support uh, perception and um, you know, in terms of being successful with so many teams uh, and the Learfield, how that, you know, maybe not supplants, but should be considered when people are just solely looking at, you know, a spreadsheet, you know, printed in a, in a newspaper. Yeah, no, thank you. And you've raised sort of a number of, of, of points that I think are critically important when we look at the contributions that our Olympic sports make. Um, and there's a variety of ways, right, so you measure return. Uh, obviously, football uh, and your media rights, um, you know, that's probably 95% of your value. Basketball is probably uh, the, re- the rest of it. And, you know, people can quibble about, you know, whether it's 90%, 95%. Um, but um, clearly, uh, you know, in terms of media, uh, football uh, is the most important driver of your success. It's also your tickets, your concessions, your parking. So you've got to be very focused on football. And, uh, you know, we were very, very fortunate to have Greg come back. And I think we're, I think we're going to have a, a very exciting year this year. I'm not making any predictions in terms of wins and losses, but um, you know, that's obviously critically important to the success of an athletic department is that that program's doing well. Uh, same with the basketballs, and, and we see what uh, Steve Peichel's doing, and we see, and I'm very, very confident about what Coquise is going to do with our women's basketball program. But so you talk about Olympic sports. You know, what I want to do is I want to have positive news about Rutgers athletics from August till June. 
right? And so you, you start with the soccers. You look at what women's soccer did getting to the Final Four last year. You look what field hockey did. One of the strange benefits of the pandemic was people were sort of stuck at home and they started streaming sports that they'd never watched before. The number of people who said to me, you know, I watched field hockey. That's actually pretty interesting. I don't know if I'll ever understand the rules, but, uh, but I think it's a really cool sport. Uh, and I assured them that I will never understand the rules, but it is a, it is a really cool sport. And why I bring that up is first, you know, we'll talk about academics, but in terms of athletics and the contribution that those sports make from August through June, and that's what occurred this year with baseball, right? Um, you are in the headlines, right? You are in the news, uh, you are in social media, and that has value to the university, right? That raises the brand of the university. And so I don't want to just sort of have, um, you know, use whatever metaphor that you want to use in terms of an athletic department's contribution to university. But we definitely create brand equity. Um, you, can, you can be negative, right? You can be negative to brand equity, but you can also be positive. Uh, but then the other part of it, as you say, which we are equally proud of, is the academic performance of all of these programs. Uh, we are breaking records academically with a number of our all Big Ten academic honorees, uh, the GPAs that we're having in our different programs. And those, I, I always tell our student athletes, you are you, the Rutgers University's greatest ambassadors, not just sort of externally, but on the campus as well, right? They wear their warm-ups to class. Um, so so the, the, the rest of the students at the university can be really proud that these are young people who are uh, putting in a lot of time and effort to represent Rutgers University on the field, but then they also see that they're having that success in the classroom. And the same with the faculty. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, in, certainly in the past, I think less so today, uh, attempts to sort of pit the faculty against the athletic department and what we're doing. I think that is um, going away, and I think the vast majority of faculty do see us as a net contributor to the university. You know, that we talk about other measurements, right? So in terms of, um, uh, you know, our, our scholarship budget uh, is roughly around $17 million of our budget. Um, but in terms of our walk-ons and partial scholarship athletes, they actually pay out of pocket $17 million to Rutgers University in the form of tuition and fees and others. So they're making a contribution athletically. They're making a contribution academically. But they're also making a contribution toward the finances of the university and so when you start to measure all of those in a way that um, I measure it, uh, I already think athletics is a net contributor to the university. Um, and uh, I, I hope it doesn't change. And we may, you know, in this conversation, talk a little bit about the threats to college athletics um, from uh, you know, some of the efforts that are underway out there. And I hope that's not the case. I hope to the extent we make changes, they're beneficial to student athletes. Um, they're beneficial to our program, um, but not at the cost of uh, broad-based sports program, sports programming, and the great stories that end up coming out. Um, I think about Emily Mills, who came out of our, our women's golf program a few years ago. She's now Dr. Emily Mills. Um, so, uh, and I know, uh, you know, Kieran Mullins from our, our men's lacrosse team is also in medical school. You know, we have graduates that have gone on and are in law school. Um, these are people who will represent Rutgers for decades to come in ways that we can all be proud of. That's a great point. And um, I did want to touch on uh, or ask you about um, 
college expansion, conference expansion, as well as NIL. But before I do, I think one aspect that people don't maybe even realize or, or it gets a lot of discussion is um, the recent case of NCA versus Austin, uh, which the Supreme Court, um, you know, confirmed last year in terms of educational benefits. Um, and wanted to ask uh, what your approach has been with that um, in terms of offering student athletes, um, you know, to be able to have a maximum uh, experience or, or benefit with, with that case and which it provides. Yeah, it was a fascinating decision in many ways because I think the reach of the decision um, extends beyond just really the academic benefits. I mean, the, the Supreme Court clearly signaled in a 9-0 decision that um, they believe the world of college athletics should change. Now, the, you know, the narrow um, case that they were dealing with there was the idea that, uh, and it was sort of, you know, people say, how did they come up with the number $5,980? Um, seems like sort of an odd number. Well, what um, Judge Owens did in the Southern District uh, or the Northern District of California in that um, trial court case was um, she added up all of the athletic-related benefits awards that could go to student-athletes and put a dollar figure on that of $5,980. And so um, the essence of her sort of opinion was if if athletic departments can provide up to $5,980 of athletic-related benefits, then they shouldn't be prohibited by the NCAA from providing up to the same threshold or up to the same amount in academic benefits. So that's the sort of, and then there was, uh, and then unlimited spending as long as it's tethered to education. So we've not yet explored sort of what the implications of that are going to be. But on the sort of pure Alston academic awards, um, we're, we're watching what everybody else is doing around the country. Um, and I, I think we will be um, competitive in terms of recognizing academic achievement. Um, I'm not sure we'll be doing sort of the full. There are some schools out there that are providing every walk on with a full 5,980. Um, we've sort of made our decision internally that we want to incentivize student athletes for academic performance. So um, we're going to do it in a way where you're in good standing, you're remaining eligible, uh, and um, and then we'll provide those benefits. And um, it, it'll be very impactful for student athletes. Um, there's no question. I mean, they in in many ways have a more expensive uh, life than than others, and so being able to provide them with some additional resources, uh, I, I think, is a good thing. And so we'll we'll make sure that we're as competitive as the rest of our conference in doing that, uh, and we'll continue to monitor what others are doing with respect to the second half of that decision, which is sort of the unlimited benefits as long as tied to education. So when you took the job, you, you had a daunting challenge uh, with, you know, getting Rutgers uh, competitive in the Big Ten. And, you know, even though it's uh, six years is a long time, it's also a short time, but you've had so many things change in the college uh, athletics world uh, with Austin, with name, image and likeness. Um, how has that, uh, and obviously I know that Rutgers, you know, can't be directly, um, involved in those types of deals. Um, but how has it changed maybe your approach or your outlook? Um, and how can you either support or, um, I guess, um, adapt to that, that kind of changing reality in both recruiting and retention of your student athletes? 
I mean, it's it's just incredible what's happened in one short year um, since, you know, the Alston decision had nothing to do with name, image, and likeness, but what it did do is signal to the NCAA that you are not going to be successful in continuing to prohibit student-athletes from monetizing their name, image, and likeness. So they then, very, I think it was within a week of the Alston decision, came out with their very limited guidance uh, allowing student-athletes to, to monetize their name, image, and likeness. But they were very clear that it should not be pay-for-play, it should not be recruiting inducement, uh, and um, it could not be tied to um, staying at a particular institution. So it really had to be specific to the student athlete. But that also that the universities themselves were to remain separate from those efforts to uh, negotiate or arrange for name, image, and likeness opportunities for the students. That is so, – so clearly if you believe everything that you read on social media or in the newspapers – um, those restrictions are being violated every day. Um, and, I, and I believe that quietly the NCAA is looking into some of the schools that we've heard about where student-athletes have entered the transfer portal, and you see that you know, they, they're getting $400,000 a year to transfer to this school. Um, you know, there's, there's one collective out there supposedly paid a quarterback millions of dollars to go to, to, go to a school. Um, I don't name the schools or the collectives because, I, again, I don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is actual rumor on social media. But we're being cautious. What, what, what um, you know, as I said early in this podcast, we're always going to do things the right way. Um, and even if the guidance that's out there is limited, we're going to try to follow that guidance. And um, I, I wish the NCAA would issue a little bit more guidance, including guidance with respect to safe harbors, so that, you know, a school, this is what you can do, right? So, um, you know, I've heard of one school going to their local chamber of commerce uh, with student athletes and saying, hey, listen, we've got some great student athletes here who can be great spokespeople for your uh, companies, and um, they're here, uh, and, you know, here's how you connect with them. Um, we haven't done that yet. Um, and now, if somebody tells me that that's okay to do, then I'm, I'm happy to do it and try to benefit our student athletes. Um, so I, I guess what I would say is we want to do what everybody else is doing that we all agree is appropriate. Um, so uh, it's not going to be recruiting inducement. I think that's pretty clear, even though that's clearly going on out there. Uh, it's not going to be pay for play. We're at the beginning of this, right? So, um, and that's where, you know, some people call it the Wild West uh, and that the NCAA has sort of left the enforcement field, right? So they've left Dodge City and so everybody's doing whatever they want. Um, I don't know if that's entirely true, but I do know that um, uh, we're going to need uh, somebody to step in at some time and provide some regulation for this, or we're going to have, uh, I, I think, one, we're going to reduce the competitiveness across the college landscape. Uh, and there's going to be the haves and the have-nots. And I'm not sure that's what everybody wants. That's not what exists on the professional level. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're in, in some ways we are arguably in a period of unfettered free agency, right? You've got the transfer portal. You've got NIL. You've got no restrictions. Uh, and, and you compare that to, you know, we just had the baseball draft, right? So some of our guys got drafted. They'll go in, you'll get your minor league um, minimum, whatever it is. It's not a lot of money. 
And then if you're successful in getting up to the major leagues, it's six years before you become an unfettered free agent, right? So, so the New York Yankees own you for six years. That's not college, right? College, what we're saying is go anywhere you want, anytime you want, arrange any deal you want, uh, and that's fine. To, be, to have to coach in that environment, I think is, I've always thought being a head coach at the college level is one of the hardest jobs that you can have. It's only become more and more difficult. And that's why I think you see some coaches are sort of saying, you know, I'm out um, I, I, now. So that's sort of the concern side. The other side of it is I think it's providing wonderful opportunities for some of our student athletes, um, whether that's, you know, tutoring, whether that's uh, doing a summer camp, uh, whether that's getting some appearance fees to go and, you know, a new opening of a coffee store or whatever that happens to be. And, um, you know, other people are able to do that. I think it's good that um, our student, able, student athletes are able to do that. You know, Geo Baker, I think, has his clothing line, right? And, and um, you know, I applaud Geo. He, he's, he's a remarkable young man. And obviously he's been a very important voice nationally uh, in this movement. And, um, and he's trying to do things the right way. He's worked with our licensing people the right way. Uh, what he does, um, his affection for Rutgers University and the opportunity that was provided to him. So, you know, I applaud guys like Gio who are trying to do this the right way, who have a great appreciation for the opportunity Rutgers provided, and who are, are making some really decent money out there uh, in the variety of uh, entrepreneurial endeavors that they're in. Absolutely. And I uh, spoke to Gio this week about it and just his passion for Rutgers and how he wants to help Rutgers continue to achieve uh, both success athletically, but also help provide opportunities for student athletes now and in the future. So uh, definitely think, uh, you know, he's, he's going to make a big imprint off the field moving forward as well. Uh, uh, big 10 uh, expansion, USC and UCLA uh, announced uh, recently uh, joining the conference Obviously, the TV uh, rights, uh, which you mentioned before, is uh, being negotiated currently. Um, the league payouts are looking to, you know, grow uh, significantly. Um, what's your overall thoughts in terms of adding them to the conference? Um, any potential concerns with with travel, uh, logistics, and um, I guess how it helps you project the future in what Rutgers wants to do, knowing that TV rights and all that is is looking to increase. Um, by quite a lot uh, relatively soon. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, you know, welcome, U welcome USC and welcome UCLA. <laughs> um, I I'm excited about it. Uh, I, I certainly um, understand the concerns that, that are out there. Um, it it's obviously a, a big blow to the Pac-12 uh, to have those team teams come to the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, the way I look at it is um, they sought out the Big Ten, right? They approached the Big Ten about joining us, uh, and you have to look at that, and then you have to start to examine um, for, from a variety of factors, does this make sense? Does it make sense in terms of the quality of the academic institutions? 100%. Does it make sense in terms of the athletic brand equity that they bring to our conference? 100%. Um, the media market that they bring, and the LA media market, uh, obviously the second largest media market uh, in the country next to New York, which is one of the reasons why Rutgers was successful in getting into the Big Ten. Uh, and so they bring a lot to the conference. Um, and obviously the media rights partners 
are looking at us differently now that we have USC and UCLA. So I talk about the challenges, talk about scheduling. From a football standpoint, I don't think, I think that might be the easiest piece because you play one day a week. Uh, and if um, the scheduling is done in a way where perhaps following a West Coast uh, trip, you have your bye week, right? So we've got a couple of bye weeks built into the calendar. Uh, and so if you follow a bye week, then even though you're sort of losing a day coming back, uh, because it's a bye week, I, I think you can manage that fine. Um, bigger challenges when it comes to basketball, although you can sort of do a West Coast swing, right? Um, and you can go, maybe it's a Nebraska, UCLA, USC swing that you, that you do. Um, and, every, you know, the conference is always looking at our spring break schedules and all the rest of those schedules so that you're trying to do it in a way which minimizes the impact on student athletes. Um, more challenging with sports like baseball and softball that, you know, go out for a, a long, you know, weekend three-game set. We've got to look at that. We've got two years to look at that um, before uh, we have to be ready to go live with those schedules. The good news for uh, Rutgers, um, in contrast to some of our uh, other members of the, the Big Ten, is, uh, and, and you won't be surprised, we checked this, right? How many flights go daily from Newark Airport to L.A.? I think there are 11 flights on United every day going out to L.A. at pretty reasonable prices, frankly. So um, where, you know, your, your initial thought was, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to charter every, every you know, team going, going out there. Uh, now I don't think so. Um, one of the other pieces of this that's going to be important because we care about the academic success of our students is sort of how did you manage then class time uh, when you have these West Coast trips that you have to make? Well, if there was sort of another... Uh, benefit to the pandemic is we all learned how to do online education much better. Uh, and so I, I think there will maybe be a need some, for some increased flexibility in terms of attending a class uh, through an online uh, alternative for whatever that ha day of the week happens to be when you're, you're traveling back. So uh, there, are there challenges? No question there are challenges. Uh, on balance, does it make tremendous sense for the conference? 100%, and I think we can work through the challenges. Um, but it's, it's exciting. I, 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 um, I look forward to that first day that the USC Trojans are on the field at SHI Stadium, and <laughs> I, I know it'll be a sellout. It'll be packed uh, 53,000, um, and uh, it, it'll, it'll be an exciting day. And um, obviously, you know, taking your basketball team to Pauley Pavilion is pretty exciting as well. You know, John Wooden, you, you think about all the history um, so a really exciting time for um, for the Big Ten, exciting time for Rutgers, but uh, and I'm not sure we're we're done, right? I mean, it's probably a follow-up question is sort of what what next with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 uh, and the ACC. Difficult to predict. I think there are a lot of legal challenges to further movement. Uh, there's obviously the importance of being in media markets um, that uh, will. Um, be excited about uh, further addition. Uh, and so, um, uh, you know, I, I, no one could say, hey, we're, we're done. Uh, we're not done on the NIL front. We're not done on uh, the expansion front and the implications of all that. Uh, and uh, so crazy, crazy time to be part of college athletics. Uh, no doubt in that regard. And uh, I did have a follow-up and then one more after that, if that's okay. Um, sure. in, term, in terms of 
um, being the Rutgers athletic director, knowing that expansion is a, a constantly evolving situation. Um, you know, there's concern out there that, you know, two super conferences are potential down the road. How is you in your position kind of keep your radar up, so to speak, um, to make sure that, you know, now obviously Rutgers has a seat at the table, but making sure five, 10, 15 years from now, Rutgers is still in a very uh, favorable position as you are now. No, it's a great question. And you know, five, 10, 15 years from now, uh, my intention and the intention of everybody working in our department is that we're going to be one of the elites. Um, and I, I think we're incredibly well positioned. We're well positioned, one, because we've got a great university, so we're a great academic institution, which should be attracted to the most, to, uh, the, to the best student athletes in the country. We are in the New York media market, right? So if you want to monetize your name, image, and likeness, we're better to do it than with 22 million eyeballs that are uh, available um, to look at your brand and watch you grow your social media presence. Uh, and that's, again, that's one of the reasons why when Jim Delaney was looking to expand the Big Ten, uh, he went after Maryland and D.C. market and Rutgers. Um, we're it uh, here in, in the New York metropolitan area. And that is a tremendous advantage, which – Frankly, we've not taken full advantage of, but we are starting to take advantage of. Uh, and that brings benefit not just to Rutgers University, but it brings benefit to the conference. So having some of these other schools, as we build our brand, as other schools come in uh, and, be, and, you know, we'll see the television ratings that will happen uh, in the years to come. So there will be no reason for a student athlete to choose any other school other than Rutgers. They may do it for a variety of other reasons, but they won't see any limitations in what they can achieve by coming to Rutgers University. And so uh, if you look at the schools out there that over the last 20 years have sort of built their success, um, which wasn't always there, we fully intend we're going to be one of those schools uh, that people talk about uh, that uh, – uh, an expanded application footprint. Um, you know, they'll be, well, they'll see us on Saturdays. They'll see us in final fours. They'll see us in championship games. And there'll be some kid somewhere around the country who says, you know, I'd love to go do my college on the East coast. And Rutgers is the place where I got big time athletics, big time academics. Uh, so that's our intention. That's our goal. Um, our goal is not to be, um, to feel lucky to be part of something, but to be a very, very valued partner in our conference and across the country uh, and the collegiate landscape as we go forward. Definitely agree with you on the potential there. I think that's what most fans and alumni are hoping for. And again, I think it goes back to alignment, like you said before, uh, being uh, you know in that position to be able to take advantage and uh, of this current opportunity. Last question for you. I can't not talk to you about facilities. Um, the recent news with Governor Murphy allotting the $100 million, um, in the budget for uh, both uh, renovations for Jersey Mike's Arena as well as the football practice facility. But I also want to ask you the value that I think gets missed, too, about the $100 million for the medical school, the $50 million for the research center, um, and how that kind of all works together uh, in terms of, you know, each bringing, adding value to the other. Um, but overall, just what you uh, plan or what your plans are for facilities using that money and um, just last caveat to that, the fans that are nervous about the rack, uh, Jersey Mike's, the environment, you know, I get comments all the time. Don't screw it up. I'm confident you and Coach Peichel uh, are well aware of the advantages you have. Um, and, and if there's anything you could tell us on those plans. 
Sure, sure. Uh, well, 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 first of all, I mean, the, the sort of the specific dollar allocation and things like that sort of I, I won't really speak to. What I will speak to is um, I think the total investment by uh, the governor and the New Jersey legislature in Rutgers University is around $300 million. And that is uh, historic. Uh, it is um, sort of breathtaking in a way that um, we're at a time with leadership uh, in the state, both in the executive and in the legislative branch, where they see uh, we have a great university um, and we need, to, we need to invest in our university and we need to help that university continue to grow. You know, when, uh, you know, we still uh, are the largest merger in higher education history, right? When the medical schools uh, and the hospitals were brought in as part of uh, Rutgers um, Biomedical Health Sciences, RBHS program, um, that created, uh, that was the largest merger. And um, that was obviously with the involvement of the state. Um, and this sort of, I almost view as a follow-on to that of a recognition that that's been fully integrated now. We've got um, our health sciences, our innovation hub, all of these different pieces can make the State University of New Jersey. And that's like, I, I, people ask me sort of what is, you know, what's the brand of Rutgers? What's, what is, what's it known for? And I say, it's the State University of New Jersey. It's the flagship. And so to see our uh, elected leaders invest in the flagship um, is, I think, uh, an incredibly important day um, for New Jersey because the dividends that will accrue uh, as a result of these investments um, are going to be long-lasting and they're going to be very beneficial to everyone in New Jersey, not just people associated with Rutgers. So now in terms of athletic facilities, um, you know, we've done a lot, but we've got a long way to go. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I tell people that we're, we're still the only Big Ten school without a baseball stadium, the only Big Ten school without a softball stadium, uh, the only Big Ten school without an indoor golf practice facility over, you know, near our golf course. Um, so there are a lot of things that are needed, um, but what you also have to do is prioritize uh, investments that are going to have a return for the university and a return for the people in New Jersey. Jersey Mike's uh, Arena is long overdue uh, for a renovation. Uh, in some ways, uh, the, the, the building known as the rack was obsolete the day it was opened, right? Um, you know, there's all sorts of stories about how it ended up the trapezoid that it is uh, with half the bathrooms that it should have. Uh, and so uh, what people can take comfort in is that the, the design work that we've been involved in um, actually makes it, I think, even a scarier place uh, to come to play. Um, if we're able to do the work, if we're able to follow through on the work that's been done from a, a design standpoint, um, it, it's really going to be an incredibly exciting place for our student athletes to play. And that's not just two basketballs, that's wrestling, that's volleyball. Um, it'll give us an opportunity to host concerts, but it's going to have a number of club areas, better quality of seating. And all of that obviously means that Ticket prices will likely go up, um, and, you know, the demand right now, we cannot meet the demand for 100-level um, tickets. And um, so part of paying for a renovation at facility will obviously have to be revisiting your pricing um, for, the, for the facility. Um, but um, to the extent that the university takes a big piece of that, um, those dollars that have been provided to it um, and 
uh, sort of uses that as a catalyst to get that done, then uh, it'll start paying dividends. You know, the economic outflows from that, the sales tax and all the other things that will happen uh, will, I think, prove um, very, very substantial dividends. Uh, and then football obviously needs um, we're the only, you know, again, talk about the only, I, I look forward to the day where I, I don't have to say that anymore. Uh, that we're the only one who doesn't have something. Um, we're able to do it now on the basketball side and soccer's and lacrosse's gymnastics and wrestling. Um, but we, we still are the only, uh, school in the big 10, perhaps the power five to not have a permanent structure indoor practice facility, right? We have the bubble and the bubble was built in 1986 as a temporary facility. Um, almost 40 years later, um, temporary facility. So we need an indoor practice um, that'll benefit, again, benefit football, but it'll benefit the entire university. Um, and uh, we need to give Greg the things that he uh, needs to have uh, in this crazy world that we live in today in order to attract the best talent. But look at what he's doing now, right? So we've made some nice investments in football. You know, our, the Marco Battaglia practice field are best in class. Uh, we've made some nice upgrades into the Hale Center. Uh, and so we're, we are doing all of the things that we can do as quickly as we can to advance Rutgers athletics because I sort of I treat every day with a sense of urgency. And, uh, you know, as long as we all do that, um, because five years goes very, very quickly. I tell you, you know, as you said, I'm coming up on um, my uh, seventh anniversary uh, at Rutgers University on November 30th. And I, it does not seem like seven years. I, I got to tell you, it feels more like two or three years. So if the next five to seven years goes that fast, we got a motor. <laughs> Rutgers Athletic Director Pat Hobbs, thank you so much for all you've done for Rutgers Athletics, continue to do. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron.